we're never going to make any dent in traffic congestion, in air pollution. We're the most polluted city in the country again. Child asthma rates are going back up. And it's also a climate change issue. If we can make it palatable and convenient and affordable for people to get out of their one person in a car mode of thinking, we can save the world. And, you know, it sounds crazy, but we can do it. (laughs) And I'm seeing it in Los Feliz. We're seeing it mid-city west. I'm seeing it in Sherman Oaks. People are ready to take this new political power that they maybe only tapped into two years or four years ago and, you know, that they've been using to campaign for Congress members with. They're here going, wait, we can use the same tactics and change our lives here. We can knock doors about bike lanes. We can knock doors about trees. We can do all of that here. And that's what's been really exciting. And I hope it is sustained. This is Sarah Kate Levy. Hi, Sarah. Hi. And you're running for David Ryu's city council seat? Well, the seat he is currently in, yes. It's not his. Yes. Is your point. That's your whole point. That is my whole point. (laughs) Why not? Why isn't it it David Ryu's seat? (laughs) Because it belongs to the voters of this district. Well, yeah. He's the incumbent, so it's pretty hard. I disagree with the premise. I think in other years, with smaller turnout... It would be much more difficult because the same people tend to turn out on those small turnout elections every cycle. And those are the people who are engaged with their council member or know there's a city council. And what we've done in California, which is really exciting in my view, is we've realigned local elections to the presidential cycle. So we get to bring all these new activated voters from the 16 and 18 elections to these races for the first time. (laughs) And that changes the dynamics completely of the city council races. This is a a brand new type of election. Brand new. For the first time, you're going to get the general public coming in to vote for which city is it? So this is Los Angeles, and it's District 4, which starts at the hillsides of Silver Lake and goes all the way to the hillsides of Coldwater Canyon, encompasses a lot of uh, Los Feliz and Silver Lake, Hancock Park, the community south of Hancock Park, to Olympic, uh, Miracle Mile and West Third, wrapping around the Grove, all of Sherman Oaks, a little bit of Toluca Lake, and a little bit of Van Nuys. Now that is like 100% high income. Mostly. It is very high income, but there's a lot more multifamily renters in the district than I think people know. Yeah, of course, yes, because people make it work many ways. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Sarah, uh, somebody who set me up with this interview with you, Michael Schneider, pointed out that you're an unlikely transportation activist. And I don't know why. Why would Did Michael would tell you my unlikely? secret? How am I going to get the secret? I, I guess yes I'll tell no. you. I'll okay. tell you. I'm not an unlikely uh, mobility proponent, but I have become embraced by the cycling community, which is kind of funny because I cannot ride a bike. Oh, that is. (laughs) So why is the cycling community embracing you? Um, Because I see uh, protected bike infrastructure as part of a much bigger project. I'm running because I'm raising four kids in this city, and I'm concerned that the choices we've been making for decades in the city will make it impossible for them to live here. So I started thinking about, you know, what's the city I wanted to see? And the city I wanted to see was a place where there was affordable and abundant housing and where people were free to travel anywhere, anywhere and any way that they liked, where the streets were safe. And that meant not highways going through our neighborhoods. And that means protected bike infrastructure. And that means bus lanes. And that means wide sidewalks where people can walk the streets. You know, and that is coupled with, you know, housing, transit, mobility, urban forest. And all of that is climate change. And I think that bike infrastructure is a major piece of how we do that here. Are you following Lorraine Lundquist's campaign? I am. I know Lorraine well and her campaign team. They're doing great. You're like the local version of that group in Congress, kind of, in a way. In a way. I mean, all right, if we wanted to. (laughs) 
don't know. It just seems like the young, new type. Well, I think that people understand that what we do at the local level really matters and what we do here in Los Angeles matters in an even more outsized way because L.A. County is bigger than, I believe, it's 40 other states. So what we do here has a major impact, not just on those of us living here, but across the entire country. And honestly, because Los Angeles is you know, where we imagine what America is for everybody else, the choices we make set the culture. Mm-hmm. And the world. And the world. Absolutely. And it hasn't been a very positive influence in a lot of ways, but maybe it has in some ways. Maybe it has in some ways. I mean, I think that for other bigger pieces of democracy, the things we talk about here that transport through the world bring those things. But I think that, you know, we've also abdicated a lot of responsibility here in terms of urban planning and climate change and, you know, the basic day-to-day lifestyles of Americans. <laughs> yeah. Like you want to go into any more of the day-to-day lifestyles of America? You know, I came here as a 20-year-old, and my first apartment was $300. And because it was a $300 apartment, I could have a low-paying job and still have a good time, right? You know, I was a 20-year-old working one job and still going to dinner and going, you know, driving out to the desert on weekends with a big group of friends. And I don't think that's possible for a 20-year-old in this city anymore. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. a major thing. I think, you know, when I was a kid, I could get on my bike. I could ride a bike when I was a child. I cannot now. (laughs) (laughs) I'd get on my bike with my friends, and we'd, you know, ride through the neighborhood, go into the local town, have, you know, this great freedom from our parents and a private life that allowed us to grow up into independent people. My kids don't have that here. They can't do that. Your kids can't? No, my kids, I don't feel safe telling mm-hmm. my kids they can get on a bike and ride around the city. What neighborhood do you live in? I live in Beachwood Canyon. Isn't that pretty safe? You probably live on a cul-de-sac or something. I live on a very windy road. Okay, yeah. You know, I, they could ride down that hill, but by the time they got to Franklin, I wouldn't put them out in the street. And you're a screenwriter. Yeah, it's crazy. I grew up thinking I'd write novels, and I landed in Los Angeles and wrote a movie, ended up a guild member. I'm thrilled to be a member of a union. <laughs> I got my my union card. I cried and called my grandmother and said, oh my God, I'm in a union. But I have not been writing since the 2016 elections. Do we know the movie? I mean, I could share the movie. I wouldn't recommend anybody watch it. <laughs> it's called No Way Jose. I co-wrote it with Adam Goldberg. Oh, wow. I feel like I've heard of that. Okay. <laughs> you don't like it? I am really glad I made it. It was an extraordinary experience. I made a lot of great friends. You used to know how to ride a bike? I thought that was permanent, like once you... My husband keeps saying, you've heard that phrase, it's like riding a bike. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not. I fell off my bike when I was 12. I broke my nose. I got 12 stitches. Every time I've gotten near a bike since, I've gone, yeah, maybe I'll walk. Are we going to change that? Are we going to work? The plan is, win this election, put in some protected bike lanes, and I will be the first person in those lanes. What about a tour to protected bike lanes? Yeah, love it. It would really make a point. If you if you did that, because you would ride a protected bike lane and then get into a big truck that would contain all your bikes that would take <laughs> you to the other protected bike lane. And we just <laughs> patchwork across the district. No, we're going to fix that. We're going to connect it all so it all works. And I think there's a movement to do that across the city. And I know in CD4, what we've seen happen in Silver Lake and the way that those community groups came out and rallied to protect Rowena and what we've seen in Mid-City with 6th Street, there's a real move for all of this. Mm-hmm. And I think with real community support, which we now have, and electeds with some backbone, you can get it done. We just don't have that right now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, well, backbone, they may have backbones for something, but it's not. For Tell that. me what the thing is. I have no idea. <laughs> no, we have a call. 
Bike Talk. Hey, it's Michael. Hi, Michael. Michael Schneider. How are you guys? We're good. good. I do have a question for Sarah Kate, if you don't mind. First of all, I didn't know that you didn't know how to ride a really? bike as an adult. So I didn't tell we you need that? To fix that. Yeah, we're going to fix that. Well, you are on Bike Talk right now. I so am. I, think I know. It's important to commit to fixing that. But I wanted to ask you a question. <laughs> yeah. I've been really impressed by how you are campaigning by public transit. Oh, yeah. I don't think many people realize that, and you've probably been on more buses than the entire Metro Board has this year. <laughs> um, how has that been? Um, it's I been think great. People have, well, how much longer has it taken you to get from point A to point B, and has that been frustrating? When I can plan a day around transit, I do it because I'm originally from a city where we had transit. And so, you know, you woke up in the morning and you planned your day so you could ride the transit and you built in the extra transit time. We live in a city here where that's not always possible because... You know, I've been stranded on the train late at night and the train hasn't come. But in terms of can I get up in the morning and get on a bus and go somewhere? Yeah. And I'm not just campaigning that way. I mean, my husband and I do date night in Hollywood by taking the dash from our house and walking around Hollywood. You can actually do a pretty good job just hopping dash to dash to dash around the district. But I find that if I'm going downtown, I don't want to fight for parking. I don't want to yell at people on the highway. I don't want to do any of that. I want to sit on a train and take it, you know, take a breath, read a book and get out where I'm going to go. I talked to a New Yorker recently who said that they moved to Los Angeles and they stopped reading books and they couldn't figure out why. And then they started riding transit and they were reading again. And I was like, yeah, it's great. That's like when you get to read a novel. When else do you get to do that when you have a, you know, a spouse and children and a job and everything else you're doing? You get your, your time on the train. You get your time on the bus. It's been great yeah, for I me. Tried- I tried reading a book on my bike, but that didn't go so well. Yeah, that's not going to go. I mean, I think I'd be really, really distressed if you did that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think one of the greatest challenges we have, and it all starts with infrastructure, is changing culture here because I'm also born and raised in Los Angeles. And growing up, you would just hear from movies and friends and anybody that buses were for other people, Mm -hmm. trains, which didn't really exist, are for other people. And I don't know if... You guys have been following what's been going on on Flower Street it's in amazing. downtown LA. So good. With Metro running 70 buses an hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More than one a minute. The reason why this, I think this is really connected to bike talk is, number one, you have to change culture to make people open to other transportation options. And number two, I think bus lanes and bike lanes are very compatible. Yes. So I think it's uh, great that you're campaigning by public transit and that you're also living that way. And just wanted to, people to know that because I don't know if any other candidate that I'm aware of for city council in the last 20 years has campaigned with public transportation and actually eaten the dog food that we all live with. You know what? I got to say that there's another upside to sitting on public transit when you're campaigning, which is if you're in transit in your neighborhoods, you get to meet a lot of people you wouldn't normally meet. I've met a lot of neighbors I did not know. I've met a lot of people in the community because I'm riding the buses and having conversations with them and talking about how they use transit and what they want. Eating the dog food? Is that an expression? (laughs) Did I make that up? Eating your own dog food? No. What's the expression? See how the sausage is made? Is that, that That's a whole other thing. You know what? I think, Maybe. though, it's interesting, Michael, that you talk about this idea that Angelinos aren't supposed to be on the bus because I think that's also <laughs> forgotten history, which is we used to have streetcars throughout this entire city. It was a major network of transportation that, if you look at the map, it covered every single community. Yeah, it was amazing. And yeah. everyone was on it. So I think we, like, have this collective amnesia because we gave over to this car culture, you know, post-war car culture and ripped out all those tracks. But we could go back to that. And, you know, I have to say, because I am riding the buses and my 
husband, who is a car guy. I mean, my husband writes advertising. What he writes are car manuals. Like there isn't a single car commercial that he hasn't had a hand in in 20 years. And he's like, when are we getting on the bus? Where are we going? (laughs) And that's awesome. I might have shared this when I was on Bike Talk, but my grandmother, who's turning 104, lived in Santa Monica in the 40s and used to walk up to San Vicente and jump on the red car and go to work in Westwood on a streetcar. Right. And I think today, if you said we're going to take out the coral trees along San Vicente and Brentwood and put in a streetcar, people would be up in arms over losing the trees. But my favorite example is through Beverly Hills. All of the two-hour free parking garages on Santa Monica Boulevard is where the red car used to run. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing more L.A. than taking away a streetcar and putting in two-hour free parking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The stretch. That's so sad. <laughs> That makes me sad. But we can go back, and other cities are going back. You know, we're watching Vancouver put in 300 miles of bike lanes. We're watching so many other places just lap us in this way. And if we don't get serious about reimagining the way our roads work, we're never going to make any dent in traffic congestion, in air pollution. We're the most polluted city in the country again. Child asthma rates are going back up. And it's also a climate change issue. If we can make it palatable and convenient and affordable for people to get out of their one person in a car mode of thinking, we can save the world. And I, you know, it sounds crazy, but we can do it. <laughs> we can do it if we do that and we really invest in that. And it's also an equity issue. I mean. I don't know a lot of 20-year-olds who can afford rent and afford the lease on their car, and they need a bus. They need a bike. I know a lot of families who can't afford the way they're living, and I know a lot of people who are depending on Uber and Lyft, but that's not a sustainable model either. (laughs) We have to make it easier for people to go, I'm going to do this other thing. It makes me happier. It's better for my mental health. It's better for the planet. And we have to invest in doing that. Otherwise, we're throwing up our hands and saying, you know, light us on fire, sink us in the sea. We give up and we can't do that. When you say that Uber and Lyft aren't sustainable, is it from an environmental perspective? From an environmental perspective, I think, I mean, I could break into Yiddish here. I think the city and the county abdicated in a major way when they allowed Uber and Lyft to fill a transit hole that should have been filled by buses here. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching now, we're starting to catch up. We have, you know, on-demand shuttles starting to pilot out on the west side and in North Hollywood because we are realizing people need a first mile, last mile way to get to the buses and get to the trains. That's better than Uber and Lyft. You can put 10 people in one of those. But I think in terms of traffic, I saw a statistic that said San Francisco, 60% of their uptick in congestion was the Uber and Lyft. I don't know what the comparable number is here. But I will tell you the day that Rideshare went on strike, I think it was a Wednesday, I was driving around the city being like, what's happening? Is it Coachella? Like nobody's here. (laughs) And that's because those cars were not circling around. And if you're in the cars and you're talking to the drivers, you know, it's not a great experience for them either. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to see if this disruptor of the rideshare gets disrupted by the courts. But if there is a major change to the structure of rideshare, I'd really like to see the county go, okay, let's let's fill that with a robust transit plan. Well, if you're following Metro, it's plans are seem to be pretty robust, and there's might be congestion pricing. And how do you think that'll affect? I am pro congestion pricing. Yeah, Michael. Yes, sir. Go, you can continue. <laughs> you're in the I just wanted to uh, to call and take my hat off to you, Sarah, for using public transit to get around. It's unique. We'll all be rooting for you. 
Thank I'm gonna you. I'm going to let you continue, and I think Don might be calling in, so I'm going to hang up. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Thank you so much, Michael. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. I don't know that Don's calling in. I, but people have trouble accessing the stream, and, you know, people are at work. And stuff. Sure. Anything else related to bikes and complete streets that you want to say that's part of your thinking? Yeah, I mean, I feel very strongly that the job of a city council is to keep Angelinos safe. And I think our roads are incredibly unsafe. I mean, I think we've all talked about the fact that 242 people died in our streets last year. And that wasn't just people on their bikes and people walking. That was also people in their cars. We have to make it safer for everyone. And, you know, again, I can't ride a bike. I'm not talking about this big protected network because I have so much self-interest in being in these bike lanes. But, you know, as a person who is when she's not on the buses or on the train, sometimes in her car, I don't want to live with, you know, hitting somebody on a scooter or hitting someone on a bike. And it's not their fault we didn't keep them safe. Mm. The people riding those scooters and riding their bikes are kind of the heroes in our transit story right now. And we have to protect them and we have to make it easier for us all to feel happy as we use our roads. Mm -hmm. And we're not there. And I, I am completely serious about the fact that it's the job of our council to keep us safe. I mean, we had a woman die on Hyperion uh, earlier this spring. She should not be dead. That road was unsafe. And, you know, Ellie Dot was like, well, you know, it was too fast, too wet, da 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 da. I was like, well, yeah, okay, rain is an act of God, but speed is what the city does. The city controls how a street moves. And we should be working much harder to keep all of us safe in these streets. Cool. Yeah. Do you want to talk about David Ryu and, and what a terrible job he's been doing? I mean, I say that uh, half right. joking because I... I think David and I care about different things. Let's put it that way. I care about a long-term plan for this city that allows us to move into the future in an environmental and economically sustainable way. And I think that I'm the person who really cares about housing and affordable housing and, you know, housing all of our homeless Angelinos in our district, 53% bump in homelessness. I don't understand how that happens <laughs> if you are serious about building more inventory and connecting people to services in a much more nimble way. I care really deeply about a transit mobility plan that keeps people safe and cleans our air and allows people to get around the city easily and conveniently and cheaply. I would like to see students and seniors all have free transit the same way Phil Washington at Metro wants them to have. I'd love to see that roll out as quickly as possible. And, you know, I'm really concerned about reforestation because while we're working to reimagine the way we travel and try to move some cars off the road, we have a lot of carbon in our air we have to clean up. And what we're seeing right now is 20% of our urban forest is around 1% of our population. So those are the things that are you know, driving me forward all the time. And I'm raising four kids in the city. I have no plans to go to Sacramento, go to DC. I don't care about those things. I care about how can my family live here? How can your family live here? How can their kids live here? That's what's driving me on this all the time because my native Angelino friends stayed here close to their families because this city had so much opportunity for them. I would love my kids to have that story. Mm -hmm. Your kids wouldn't have that much opportunity growing up in LA, you think? I mean, I they think have a, I don't advantage head start. I mean, yeah, every <sighs> yes. But I don't think my kids will come out of, you know, be 22, come back to town, see a $5,000 apartment and be able to move into it. 
I couldn't have done that. Didn't David Ryu do something that wasn't that great? Is Rowena in? Rowena went in during the Tom LeBonge years as like in a swift reaction to a woman dying right there in Rowena. She was the crossing Rowena, the road. The Rowena. Uh, they called it a road diet. Road diet, but it's, like the, you know, the complete streets, the complete streets at Rowena. So that was like, somebody is dead. We need to deal with this. Let's keep them safe. And when the new council member came in, he spent a lot of taxpayer money on a report that basically asked the wrong question. And the question the report was asking was, you know, how do we undo this? There were some complaints about cut through traffic in the neighborhood, which I think we can all understand. We all live in Los Angeles. We are all living, you know, with ways on our phones. But I don't think the answer to concerns about cut through traffic next to a complete street are pull out the complete street and make it less safe. I think the answers are, how do we get fewer cars off the road? How do we make it so people aren't constantly feeling unsafe in the street. And part of that is reimagining how our residential streets function. I mean, I think that a way to bring more people to the conversation about we need a protected bike network is to allow communities to have little block parties for a weekend, shut down their streets, Mm -hmm. let their kids ride their bike in the street or play a Mm -hmm. game in the street, do all these things, do like Cyclovia on a miniature way where you don't have to drive your car and put your car, you know, bike on the rack and drive out to it, but you can do it at home. Mm -hmm. I think if you did that enough, a lot of people who haven't even thought about these things would look at their kids in the street and go, yeah, I want this. This Mm -hmm. is what I want. Yeah. If it were easier, if everybody in the block wanted to do it, yeah. You should be able to do it. Yeah. And I think, honestly, we have a bike mobility plan that the city put forward years ago that is just waiting for council members in their districts to have enough spine to implement. We know what the most dangerous streets are. We have a high injury network. The fact that we are not spending every moment of our planning time going, how do we make a high injury network not high injury is shocking to me. There should not be a list of streets that say high injury that just sit there as high injury streets for years. And so what do we do about those? Well, what we can do about those is enact the plans the city said they were going to enact. You can sit down and look at them and go, yeah, okay, it's time now. (laughs) Yeah, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. And they haven't been enacted because why? They haven't been enacted because the, honestly, I think the old political structure of an off-year election with a small amount of voters, those voters were noisy and they scared the council members and they made them feel like they were going to lose their jobs. But I mean, I'm not personally running because I want to sit there for 12 years. I'm running because I want to make change in the city. And my feeling is in almost every community, there is a bigger group of people who are serious about mobility and climate action who will come help if you reach them in the right way. I mean, I think doing transit meetings like the one in Eagle Rock for the bus lanes a couple weeks ago I think we all saw stories about like just how difficult that meeting was and how angry people were. But there's other ways to do outreach. It doesn't all have to be meetings like that. I went to a scoping meeting out in the valley and uh, they were talking about bike lanes and bus lanes and they'd put posters out and everybody had stickers and you could choose where you wanted things to go. And that's how they got people's opinions. And they got people there because they had a little bike set up for the kids Mm. and kids could, you know, ride around on this amazing. It was like a mini golf course for bikes. And the adults ran around putting stickers on posters and you could see what people in the community really wanted. And nobody got yelled at. Nobody, you know, got asked where they come from or, you know, told they don't really ride the bus. It was a very family friendly way to really get input, which I thought was really important. But these NIMBYs in Eagle Rock, they already know what they want. They know what they want, but they're not the majority. Because I think what we learned even in Silver Lake is 
the power of a community to organize when it's important. I mean, the keep Rowena safe. Rowena has a elementary school and a preschool on it. And, you know, all those families were like, no, 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 no. We have to keep our kids safe. And they organized so sufficiently that they managed to push back on this very expensive report. And they managed to sweep the neighborhood council. And because there is so much energy for that there, they're not the only people who feel that. And I'm mm-hmm. seeing it in Los Feliz. We're seeing it Mid-City West. I'm seeing it in Sherman Oaks. People are ready to take this new political power that they maybe only tapped into two years or four years ago and you know that they've been using to campaign for Congress members with. They're here going, wait, we can use the same tactics and change our lives here. We can knock doors about bike lanes. We can knock doors about trees. We can do all of that here. And that's what's been really exciting. And I hope it is sustained. There's people who will campaign for national people or issues who just don't even think about local local stuff. I think that used to be true. Mm-hmm. I think that was definitely, you know, I've been here 20 years and it wasn't everybody I could sit down and talk about local politics with. But I really do think that what happened after 16 throughout my district and throughout the city, so many new activist groups, women's groups, postcarding groups, indivisibles, all these different groups, uh, resistorhood, SELA, all this stuff came out of this new political activism and commitment to the city and LA Forward is educating all these people whose activism was always outward facing and they're bringing it back in. And that's amazing. And if we can keep the attention here, that would be great because honestly, the city council districts are the size of some congressional districts. There's 250,000 people in each district. It is like running a congressional race and you do need the same sort of volunteer support. You need the same sort of money and telling that story to people who live here and explaining like, this is what impacts you. How you can afford to live here, how safe you are in the streets if you have you know, trees on your sidewalk, that is what impacts your life. Come, help us get it, because we can get it if everybody comes along. And so if you're motivated, like you said, by making changes and not by sitting there for 12 years in city council, I've heard that people who come just to make changes can be frustrated by meetings and the way things are run. Are you anticipating how you'll deal with that? I am anticipating a new culture at City Hall. I mean, we talked about Lorraine earlier. If Lorraine wins, and I think it's likely she will, all right, suddenly you've got Lorraine sitting there. There's many seats up for change right now. And if we get new voices on that council, we will have a lot of change. What I don't love seeing is all the revolving doors. I don't love seeing people, you know, go from one elected position to another elected position to another elected position. What I think we have learned is all these people doing that have got us to the space where we are today, where we don't have transit and housing's unaffordable and where did our trees go? <laughs> we need new people who will go, no, this is important to us because it is about something beyond us. It's about these next generations. And I think honestly, what has tapped a lot of people who look outward for their politics back into city politics is talking about climate action and our coming climate catastrophe and how we can make real change here in L.A. You mentioned that, what is it, 1% of the people have how much 20% of our tree cover is concentrated around 1% of our population. So people who live in Hancock Park or like... A lot of CD4 has a lot of trees, and if you drive out of our neighborhoods, they don't. And part of that is the way our city is built and our sidewalks being very narrow. So all the infrastructure is right under that sidewalk and you can't plant a tree there. And in these other neighborhoods, you've got nice, big, wide sidewalks. You've got room for trees. So I think we have to reimagine 
everybody's experience in our streets because, you know, there are going to be people like me. And I'm going to learn to ride a bike. I'm promising here on Bike Talk I'm going to get back on a bike. But there may be people who won't. So let them walk to the store. Give them a sidewalk that is shaded so they can. We have to do that. Fixing a street is not just like let's tar over this pothole, although we have to do that. (laughs) But it's also about like does the street still have to do this? Do we still have to have cars running down the street at 50 miles an hour with no stop signs and no crosswalks and no blinking lights and no nothing? Or can we imagine a bus lane and some bike lanes and some people on the sidewalk, which is what I would really like to see. Are you working with Metro or LADOT or LACBC? Or I'm anybody? following what everybody's doing, but there's no real way for me to interface with any of those agencies as, you know, as a Sarah Kate over here. Because mm-hmm. that would be undermining an actual... Yeah, and I think, honestly, you know, they work for the electeds. Right. Yeah. So what do you need from people? What do I need from people? Right now we're in the raise money phase. So if you feel like sending us some money, that would be great. And what's been really gratifying about all of this and talking about housing and transit green space is we are getting a lot of support from people on social media who we're talking about these issues with. And, you know, to talk about transit planners, there are transit planners sending me 10 or 15 or $20 and there's housing people doing the same thing. And that's really cool. Um, if you want to volunteer, we are running phone banks every single week. We're knocking on doors. We have texting opportunities, postcard opportunities, policy research stuff. This is a big tent. We will take anyone who wants to come help, and it's really fun. We're having a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got your campaign manager? This is Dan over here. He is my campaign manager. Oh, He's keeping our daily life ticking, and we have consultants and fundraising staff and treasurers and scheduler. Who am I missing? an intern. We've got a big team and there's still so much more to do. I think we were joking today that, you know, journalists can never catch up. Candidates can never catch up. So if anybody wants to come help us catch up, that is always valuable. Right. Because the newsroom was dark and vacant at KPFK and and Dan said, I guess the the journalist caught up. Yeah. Nothing to report today. (laughs) But there is always something new. And so... We can get in touch with you, follow your campaign. Oh, when is the election? Oh, yeah, March 3rd. March 3rd is our new presidential primary date, and it has all the municipal elections in L.A. County on it. And the local elections will be up at the top of the ballot for the first time ever. So this is very, very exciting. Historic, yeah. Yeah, it's huge. And if Lorraine is in, maybe she can help. Yeah, well, Lorraine will be running again because Lorraine is running in a special now, so she'll have to run again for 2020. That'll be interesting. Yes. Hopefully hopefully we'll be out of this special cycle and just get ourselves in a good rhythm and <laughs> go forward from there. So where can people find you online? So we are at sarahkatelevy.com, Sarah with an H, and we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sarah Kate Levy. At all of those sites, you can hit a tab to get more involved or come to an event and meet me in real life, and you can always hit donate, send us some money. That would be very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 